Sometimes it's easy to overlook the evidence, isn't it? Sometimes it's difficult to see all of the good things that God has done. You know, I'm excited today. We're starting a series on the book of Ruth. Now, Ruth is a small book that's found in the Old Testament. Okay. I don't know how to turn Siri off, okay? I didn't know Siri was on, but there we go. Sorry about that. That was awkward. I was like, where's this coming from? Okay, so the book of Ruth is from the Old Testament, and it is a story that occurs during the historical period of the Judges. And I'm excited because throughout the month of February, we're going to be looking at the story of, of a few people's lives. And when we look at narrative in the Bible, there, there's number one, we, we can find and learn of an interesting story and we, we gain information about their life. But hopefully the goal is when we see the record of their experience and the story that is told about their life in the Holy Bible, we learn some lessons from their life. This is the goal. You see, the people in the Bible were just like us in many ways. They had highs and lows, ups and downs, struggles and successes. And so we're going to look over the next few weeks at the book of Ruth. Today we're going to be looking at the first chapter. I want to encourage you to read chapter 2 for next week. But I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to have a little bit of a reading from chapter 1. I'm going to read. We're going to honor God's Word by standing. It's a little bit of a you know, it's 20 verses or so, but I want you to hear the entire story. Ruth chapter 1, it says, In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah, and when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpha, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's home, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' home, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again they wept together, and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. 
Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. May God bless the public reading of His Word. You may be seated. In this particular passage, 22 verses, we are introduced to the primary characters, or at least two of the primary characters in the book of Ruth. In the particular story, we are given some of the setting. The setting we find... <clears throat> At the very beginning is that it is in the days of the judges. We understand that there is a severe famine in the land and it causes Ruth and her, I mean, Naomi and her husband Elimelech to move to another land. When they go to the other land, tragedy befalls them. When they get there, Elimelech dies. So now she is widowed. She has two sons. The two sons marry Moabite women, both Ruth and Orpha, and they seem to settle into their life there. Ten years later, all of a sudden, what happens? The two sons die, putting their family at severe risk. We see here the context of really of the world at this time. Most, you know, at this particular time um, in most of the world, women weren't able to own property. And so they needed a male figure to help them kind of connect in society. And so this has put them at great risk. No one to protect them, to provide for them. And so as a result of this, Naomi decides to take and go back to her homeland, which is Judah. And we have the episode of the two daughter-in-laws who, who at first are going with her. And then Naomi says, y'all shouldn't go. Y'all need to stay here. It's going to be better for you here. Um, and they both say no. They, they love Naomi. They have made this connection over at least 10 years, possibly longer, depending on how long the engagement process was. And so they, they both decide that they want to go with Naomi. Of course, further along the journey, Naomi says, y'all don't need to go with me. Maybe she foresees trouble. Who knows what? But she seems to be thinking of them. And she says, y'all stay. One of the daughters-in-law, Orpha, says, okay, Sadly, but she does agree that maybe this is the right thing for her to do. And then we're, we see the, that Ruth, who is the namesake of the book, she says, no, I'm not going. And she utters the line that so many of us have heard. Oftentimes it's read at weddings and different things like that, that where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you die, I'll die and such. And so this is the introduction to the book of Ruth. As we look this morning, I want us to look at this story, and as we peer into this story and we try to understand the characters, I want us to focus today on Naomi, and I want us to look at seven lessons that we can learn from the picture that we get of Naomi here. You know, the first one is, is, is obviously stating the obvious, but the first lesson that we see here is that life is hard. I mean, we learn very quickly in the story about the reality of the difficulty and the fact that life is very hard. 
I want you to just look at some of the quotes here that we see from this text. First off, severe famine came upon the land. They left their home and went to live in Moab. They settled there, then Elimelech died. Ten years later, both Malon and Kilion died. Naomi was alone without her two sons or her husbands. Look, if there's ever been a first five verses that demonstrated the reality of life being hard, I don't know where you could find more. I mean, look right here. This is how hard life is as we're introduced to it in the first four, five verses of Ruth. We see hunger. We got famine. So they realize, they don't, they don't, they're, they're fighting for survival. But it's not just that. I mean, they've experienced financial ruin. You see, by losing their land and having to leave, they've given up their inheritance. So they've experienced financial ruin, the loss of a home, forced relocation, things that are unknown, death, the loss of a spouse. We know how hard this is, right? The insecurity of where am I going? And maybe the most painful of all, the loss of two children. If you've ever lost a child, I've sat with people who've lost a child, and it's a burden that's almost more than they can bear. Loneliness. Believe me, if there's ever been a person who understands that life is hard, it's Naomi. Naomi experiences some of the hardest things in a relatively short period of time that a person could experience. And this is an important lesson for us to learn. You see, life is hard and it can be extremely difficult. And it becomes more difficult when we aren't prepared for the reality that it is hard. Now, I can't help but quote one of my famous movie stars. Some of you may have heard of John Wayne. Some of you young kids may not. Now, I'm not saying that this is 100% true, but you got to quote John Wayne when you get a chance, right? I, I read a quote from John Wayne one time. He said, life is hard, but it's harder if you're stupid. And there's a lot of truth to that because a person who's smart realizes that, that life is hard and they don't set unrealistic expectations. They're prepared for difficult times. Nothing seems to shatter a person's world than whenever they have the false expectations that everything is going to be great, and then it's not. It's hard enough when you have realistic expectations and you face tremendously difficult circumstances in life like Naomi did. I mean, listen, she lost everything. By every account, things are bad, okay? Life is hard. This is the reality. But it's not the only reality. And so we need to look at some of the other lessons because they'll help us when life does get hard. And that leads us to lesson two. When life gets hard, focus on God's goodness. Look, I love that song. I didn't pick it. I love it when they do that because that shows me that God's working. I see the evidence of God's goodness. You see, when life is hard, you got to look hard for the evidence of his goodness in your life. 
I love that other song that Laura's done, The Goodness of God. Look, and why do we sing about the goodness of God? Because we need to be able to remember that when life gets hard, when things don't go our way, whenever relationships don't work, when deals don't work out, when we lose a home, when we're struggling, when someone dies, when we lose a child. These are all tremendously difficult things. And whenever we face hard things, we have to focus on the goodness of God. And Naomi does that here. Listen, she says, Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So for a moment in time, she thinks about the goodness of God and what she's heard about what God is doing. And so she acts upon that and she gets ready to leave to return to her homeland. When you face hard things in your life, focus on God's goodness. Don't get lost in the why. Get focused on the who. And that who is God, revealed perfectly through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that wasn't the only positive lesson that we see from Naomi. She, she, she focuses on God's goodness and what he's doing. In spite of tremendous pain, in spite of, in spite of tremendous difficulty. Look what else, and that leads us to lesson three. When life gets hard, keep helping others. Look at, look at what we see here in Naomi. Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's home and may the, reward, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Down in verse 12, Know my daughters, return to your parents' homes. For I am too old to marry again, and even if it were possible, if I were to get married tonight and bear two sons, then what? You see, even though life was tremendously difficult for Naomi, and it was hard, she never stopped focusing or keeping on helping other people. This is so important. When you're going through a difficult time, one of the worst things that you can do is to self-focus and to wallow in your own struggles. Make a point that you're going to keep helping other people. It's not just for their benefit. It becomes a benefit to you as you begin to help them. Now it enables you to process and to move through these difficult circumstances. So, so when life gets hard, and it will, keep helping other people. Keep thinking of other people and not just focusing on yourself. So these are two positive do's, if you will, that we see in the life of Naomi about a lesson for when life gets hard. But Naomi was a human being, and she has some faults just like you and I. And so she also demonstrates some things that fall into the don't category, some things that we want to learn from her and we want to not do what she has done. And isn't this the way life works? No one person's getting it right all the time. And so when we look at the narrative of a person's life, they're not perfect. They do some good things. She focused on God's goodness. She kept helping others. But we also see some things that she does that we need to avoid. That's wisdom. And it's lesson number four. When life gets hard, don't lose hope. I want to read just a few of Naomi's responses here. Naomi replies, why should you go on with me? 
There's no hope. Why in the world, girls, would you want to go with me? There is nothing that can come good from this. Don't call me Naomi, she responds. Instead, call me Mara. See, in Hebrew, Naomi means uh, uh, happiness, peace, prosperity. Mara means bitterness. So when she comes back, she's, she's lost such hope that she wants her name changed. She's, she's no longer happy, peaceful. It's all now bitterness. Look what she says. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Listen, when life gets hard, it's very easy to lose hope. It's very easy to give up. It's very easy to quit and allow the difficulty of life circumstances to define your reality. Let's learn from Naomi here a better path. Let's not lose hope. When life's hard and you lose hope, rest assured, it will get harder and it will get worse. The pathway to making things better is to keep going and to keep hopeful. And as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the ultimate hope. Even if things make stay difficult here, we have the hope that in the hereafter, everything will be better. Lesson number five. When life gets hard, don't compare your circumstances to others. Look what she says. Things are far more bitter for me than they are for you. You see, that's a trap that the enemy will cause you to fall into. Is if you start to compare yourself to others, you're going to look at what's all good in their life and you're going to think that everything's bad in your life. I heard someone say one time is that that people on Facebook put the snapshots of everything great in their life and then people look at those as the highlight reel and they compare them to the worst in their life. And so what happens is this comparison game leads you to what? Become more focused on your pain, more focused on the difficult things. Listen, don't compare your plight to others. It really is irrelevant. If you are going to compare, what I would do is compare all the good things that you have in your life. I'm reminded of the old hymn that we sing that says what? Count your many blessings, name them one by one. So if you want to compare something, start doing what we talk about at Thanksgiving. You know, Write down all the good things and then compare those to the bad things and I believe that you will move forward. But don't don't compare your problems to others because you'll always seem to maximize your own. Lesson number six, when life gets hard, don't blame. Naomi struggling here, right? Look what it says. She writes, the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. She's blaming God for this. She believes that God has raised his fist against her. Look what she says, for the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. The Lord has caused me to suffer, and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. Listen, when life's hard, don't start blaming. Don't blame God. 
Go back to the first lesson. Life is hard. Life is painful. And some of that pain is just the natural order. And others of it is caused by our bad decisions. And sometimes our bad decisions cause pain for ourselves and they cause pain on other people. And as such, other people's bad decisions oftentimes cause pain for us and on themselves. And this is a fundamental reality of an existence where there is free will. If this were not the case, the world would not be what it is. And so every time something bad happens, it's not God's fault. And every time something bad happens, it's not necessarily someone else's fault. Sometimes it is. But seldom, if ever, will blaming others, will blaming God lead you to a place where you find things to be better. In this way, Naomi is something of a tragic figure. We see in her life lots of bitterness, lots of pain. But I want to point out, even though she was mired in tremendous pain and had succumbed to bitterness and was not always doing exactly as she should, she didn't quit. She didn't completely focus on herself. She kept moving forward. She kept thinking of others. She recognized God's goodness when she could, even though she kind of got lost in her own pain as well. And this is the reality of life. You're not going to get it right every time. You're going you're to struggle. You're going to have good days when it's hard. And then you're going to succumb to the, to the don'ts and you're going to blame and you're going to compare and you're going to get discouraged. But guess what? You don't have to quit. Don't stay there. Keep going forward. Keep pressing on. And what will happen is the better days will become more frequent than the harder days. This is a lesson and this is something that we have to remember when we look at her life. Don't lose hope, don't compare, don't blame, but when you do, keep going. And let's close on a positive, lesson seven. When life gets hard, focus on the good things in your life. That's what you got to do. You got to focus on the good things. Naomi lost sight of some of the really good things. I mean, look at the way that Ruth replies to her mother-in-law. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she didn't say any more. But she didn't realize that if you've got somebody like that who's with you, are you alone? You see, she, she forgot to focus on some of the good things. And some of you, some people watching this today, have, have lost focus of the good things. 
You see, just like Naomi, you, you have some very hard things happening in your life. I mean, and they're real. No one can dismiss them. Certainly no one could get up here and say, oh, just, just get over it. You know, it's going to be all right. Listen, sometimes it's not. It's painful. It's hard. But if that's all you look at, then you will lose sight of some really good things that are in your life. Naomi thought she was alone. She didn't have anybody. And yet she's got somebody who's so determined to stay with her, loves her so much that she's not going to leave her for any reason, not for her own betterment, not for her own security. She's going to stay with Naomi till the bitter end. She's so serious about it that she calls down a curse upon herself if she doesn't follow through with her commitment to stay committed to Naomi. Now, how in the world could a person who has someone love them this much, care for them this much, be this loyal, still feel alone and feel like they don't have anybody? Because they're not focusing on the good things. That's why whenever you start to feel like everything is coming down on you and that nothing is good in your life, you have to speak against the enemy's lie. Because God has already said that He will never leave you. He will not forsake you. And guess what? There are people in your life who won't leave you and won't forsake you. If you can read, guess what? You can still see. If you can hear, you're better off than some. If you can walk, you've got more going for you than some. If you can think, you've got things happening for you. If you're not hungry, if you're clothed, you see, there's so many good things that you can be thankful for that, that it'll start to diminish somewhat the effect of the pain. Now, I'm not saying that, that you pretend like the pain doesn't exist because it does. It's real. It hurts. And it's not right oftentimes, but guess what? You get to choose. Do you hold on to this, be stuck here, or do you keep moving forward through the difficult circumstances, through the pain, to get to a place that is better? Every week, people call. We talk with people, and they're hurting. A lot of people hurting in this life because life's hard. But so often, I just want to impart to them, I know life's hard, but it's not too hard. I know it hurts, but there's healing. You can get through this, whatever it may be, if you will learn some of the lessons that Naomi learned and you'll apply some of these principles that we see in the Scriptures. Make no mistake. Life's hard. And sometimes it seems almost unbearable at moments. When you find yourself in a place where life is just bearing down on you and it's hard. As some of you who are watching this are. Focus on God's goodness. Not your pain. Not anything but the goodness of God. Maybe you need to write down 
some of the evidence of His goodness in your life. Some of those promises that He has fulfilled. Maybe you need to just draw a picture of a cross. The ultimate piece of evidence that He's good. Maybe you need to start looking for a way that you can help some other people as a way to cope with pain, as a way to keep moving forward. Have you lost hope? Hope in a future? Hope in a relationship? Hope in peace? Hope in whatever? You don't want to lose hope. Are you stuck comparing yourself and your problems to other people? Don't do that. Maybe you're here today watching this, and in the pain of your life, in the throes of these difficult times, you blame God. How could He let this happen to you? Or how could she do that to me? Or how could He have done that? How could they have done that? Friends, if you want to be healed of pain and you want to go from hard to easier, stop blaming. It's a dead-end loop. It just keeps you circling right back around to all the pain and the heartache. Lesson seven, focus on the good things. If you got to, make a list and start with just the simple things that you have that God has blessed you with. You know, throughout this life, people have experienced very difficult things. We have an old hymn that we sing often, um, It is well with my soul. Many of you have heard that hymn. Many of you have heard the story about how it was written. And I'm always inspired by this particular hymn because the gentleman who wrote it had tremendous tragedy in his life that was akin in some ways to what Naomi felt. He lost his business, financial ruin, lost his wife, lost his kids. I mean, he's experiencing some bad things. But he was able, through his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, to overcome so many things that were absolutely not well. They were not good. To be able to make a declaration to himself and to God, and by default to us, even generations later, of a truth, that is so important, it is well with my soul. If you're here today, if you're watching this, my hope and prayer for you is that you can find a place in your heart to make this declaration as well, that it is well with my soul. Would you bow with me? Father, as we reflect upon the truth of Your Word, 
May the words of this great old hymn speak to us and lead us to embrace your truth.